0: Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and Garrett Spain. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves Farm System and Braves Prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me for my work over on BatteryPower.com, where I have been the deputy site manager since 2018 and the minor league editor since 2015. It is Tuesday July 19th, we have just finished up day three of the 2022 MLB draft. We have been doing coverage for three straight days and doing a lot of work beforehand to kind of get ready for it. So we are certainly in a state of exhaustion that I would consider to be high, Uh, but we are here to give you the day three recap as well as kind of our general overarching thoughts on how the Braves draft class turned out. As always, or I'd say often, uh, I will first introduce my co-host. You may recognize him for his work on Twitter, and he's been at Battery Power for a long time. Just a little bit less time for, than me, honestly. You can follow him over on Twitter at BravesMILB. Garrett, what's going on, my man?
1: Uh, Nothing so much. I'm doing great.
0: Kind of, uh,
1: yeah, I'm very, very much uh, satisfied with what the Braves have done and ready to get talking about it.
0: Yeah, it's a certainly a super interesting draft class, and one that we're, we're frankly largely happy with, uh, how these day three guys turn out. And as we get more information about them, that I think it's going to be the biggest thing uh, as we kind of evaluate this draft class. But to get more information on these guys, a guy who lives and dies by ma- amateur baseball, and for reasons that I don't fully understand, he doesn't like to feed himself when we're doing draft coverage. You can follow him over on Twitter at MattPowers31. Matt, what's going on, man? Uh, nothing much. i mean, excited about this
2: draft, and I do really like this class overall. I think it's probably the class I've liked the most, top to bottom, I should say, at least since 2016. Uh Obviously, I love that 2017 draft, but that was
0: extremely top-heavy, but this draft is quite strong. Yep, it does look like a strong class. It looks like a deep class. Again, a lot of guys that we're just. This is a class I think we're really itching to see some of these guys play, uh, especially on those day two and day three guys. Obviously, we want to see the big arms that came on day one. Uh, you know, those are going to be kind of the what you know in terms of how the overall impact of the class, whether whether that lives or dies. But day two and day three just seems to have a lot of really interesting names in it. If you haven't listened to our day day two recap show to get caught up on what those names are, make sure you go back and listen to that. Uh, you don't necessarily have to listen to that before you listen to this one, but I highly recommend and listening to both day one and day two recap shows to kind of give you a sense of who those guys are and how we feel about them. But today, I, I'm going to be completely honest. I was on draft tracker duty, and that is a very fast and furious enterprise to be a part of. So I've actually had a chance to digest a lot of these names from day three for, on the Brave side. It's kind of, I'm going to have to take some time over the next week or so to kind of you know get acquainted with a lot of these guys. See what I will see what I think. So I'm kind of being pretty, pretty deferential to, to Matt and to Garrett as well. So I'm going to go ahead and just kind of be teeing up all the names and then we're going to go through all of them. It's going to be a relatively abbreviated. Um, we'll still want to make sure we get some good information out there. But then we're going to take our break and then we're going to come back once we do that and give our overall grades. So for the 11th round, this was going to be kind of the point of the draft where we We're going to figure out if the Braves were going to have some money or not. If they had some leftover money, they might have gotten a name that was a little more highly ranked, a little more highly recognizable, and that is not what happened with the pick. It turns out that they did, in fact, spend all their money, or at least most of it, uh, in the 11th round. Uh, We we have a couple potential options for guys they might have spent a little bit of money on later today, but in the 11th round, they drafted Ian Mejia, a right-handed pitcher out of New Mexico State. Talk to me a little bit about Mejia.
2: So up until today, I think the thing that most people that follow amateur baseball would recognize his name for is a couple of weeks ago in the NCAA tournament, he threw 124 pitches against Oregon State and really kept them in the game. I mean, it was just a great effort. Uh, he's a right-handed pitcher. He's up to the mid to high 90s. 97 is the tops, but he doesn't usually sit in that area. He's usually a lower to mid-90s type of pitcher, but it's really the slider that really stands out. It's definitely a swing and miss pitch. Uh, they ignore the New Mexico State on his uh, school listing. I mean, this is a kid that was pretty highly thought of at high school, drafted by the Mets, started out his college career at Arizona, ended up at uh, New Mexico State. Had a bit of a breakout year this year, and although the numbers don't really look amazing on paper to you, you have to factor in that New Mexico State is one of the most hitter-friendly environments in all of college baseball. So he put up that for ERA while pitching in an environment that's college baseball's equivalent of Coors Field almost. I mean, if you want to look at their stats year to year and their OPS, home run totals, it's just crazy so what he did there this year is great
0: garrett you have any thoughts on Mejia before we kind of move on to round 12 here
1: yeah i think it's an interesting arm here to get to the top of the draft i think you know and i sent this to the group chat when they took him i sent you know a message and was like yeah they're out of money and you know it was kind of a signal that yeah they're not really going to go anybody go with anybody but i think overall in terms of the arm talent you're getting here getting that guy in the 11th round i mean that's an interesting pick so you know, anybody that has kind of any sort of major league ceiling at this point is someone that's nice to have around.
0: Yeah, I agree with their 12th round pick, uh, They got a guy who has a really good hit tool. Uh, it was funny. Matt actually sent me a message right away that I called him Alan Roden, uh, like the poor man's Alan Roden, Alan Roden, a guy who's basically all hit tool. And, you know, we'll see what happens to him beyond that. But Justin Janice, a first baseman out of Illinois, Matt, tell us a little bit about him. So this
2: is basically a first baseman all the way, pretty much. Um, He looks like he might have a little more athleticism than he does based on just the body type, but he's really not overly athletic. Uh, Part of that is because he was significantly larger, framed a couple years ago, remade his body to get to where he's at right now. Uh, I want to say it's 30 pounds or so that he lost. Uh, Really just a great hitter hit tool specifically does not have the power that you'd have at first base but he can really just hit won the big 10 batting championship so that's kind of where the Alan Roden comparison comes in because of the hit tool the lack of power first baseman obviously he did it at a higher level than what Roden did uh, but I, I do think he's a little more defensively limited than what you get with Roden and might even have a little less raw power in the bat but when you're getting a guy that can hit like this and has done it against solid, I mean, it's not quite ACC, SEC competition, but solid competition, you know, you're going to get a guy who's going to move up through the minor leagues. And that's really all you can ask for at this point, the director guy that's going to keep moving up and keep hitting and eventually maybe get a shot.
0: Garrett, do you like Janice or is this a pick that you were kind of a little less warm about?
1: Yeah. I mean, overall system-wide, you have, there's not a whole lot of that first base type of talent across the board. And so getting a guy in the system that can build that position is nice to have. And a guy that can hit, you know, you tend to find that as long as the power tool isn't like a 20 grade, if a guy can hit, teams will find a spot for him. And getting a guy in that can hit is always a nice thing to have.
0: Yeah, definitely like the pick at the time. Again, the hit tool is arguably the most in terms of position players anyway. It's probably the most important tool that you can have. Uh maybe they can get maybe they can make some chain, swing changes, maybe they can get them to add some strength to maybe add, get a little more power, maybe get that power to play a little bit more in games. You don't have to be a guy who has, you know, 60 grade power to be a a, a good player. And in Janice's case, you know, as long as he hits a lot, you know, he's going to give himself an opportunity and that this fills out the lower ranks of the minors with a guy who can be productive. And who knows, maybe he turns out to be something even more than just a, just a hit tool guy. He could end up being a bit more than that uh, because he certainly did hit when he was at Illinois. Uh, in the 13th round, they took Cedric de Grand Prix, uh, a right-handed pitcher out of a, a really kind of a, <laughs> a, a draft workhorse that a lot of guys get drafted out of this juco and chipola and you know he, he's just kind of the latest guy to come out of the come out of there so matt talk us a little bit about cedric
2: so he's obviously uh cold weather armed from canada ended up in chipola which is maybe the best juco program in the country right now i think they have over. <laughs> he's, that's the argument yeah um uh, but He's an interesting arm, one of the guys that they took today, and there's going to be more of these, that really helped improve their stock with a good showing at the MLB Draft League. So, I mean, that's definitely a point to take note of that the Braves clearly watched and uh, bought into what they saw at the MLB Draft League. But he's up to 96, but uh, similar to Mejia, even though he can hit that, doesn't usually sit there. But it's not even his best pitch. It's the breaking ball. It's the curveball with him. So they do have a bit of a similar type of profile. I think uh, he's probably going to end up more as a reliever, though, in the long run. But it's a good arm Arizona State commitment.
0: Garrett, any thoughts on the Grand Grand Prix?
2: I have
1: not had a chance to dig in on him yet, so I will defer to Matt completely on this one.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I definitely did hear that he did put up a good performance in the MLB Draft League, which does matter. And again, I don't think those Draft League guys necessarily put themselves super on the map for the like day one. But it seems like a lot of guys did well for themselves to kind of put themselves in better position on days two and three participating in the Draft League. So it's nice to see that the Braves are kind of dipping into that well as well. And again, having just kind of a, a an arm that, you know, maybe he ends up as a reliever. But, you know, I'm, we'll see kind of what the Braves ultimately try to get to use him as. Uh I imagine that he he could we could see him debuting in full-season ball this year. Uh, I would be shocked to see him end up on the Augusta Green Jacket roster this year, so we'll see if we can get a good look at him this year. Uh, next up, uh, an arm that is a little bit more visible and has certainly has more video on him than some of the Braves' picks uh, this year. In the 14th round, they picked Landon Harper, the right-handed pitcher out of uh, Southern Miss. Uh, again, this is kind of another reliever arm. They're kind of continuing to bolster that bullpen. The Braves want bullpen arms that have some actual upside and could theoretically move through the system quickly Talk to us a little bit about Landon, Matt.
2: Uh, pure reliever, and on paper, he's very similar to Mejia and DeGrandpre. I mean, he's a guy that tops out at 96, but doesn't usually sit in that range. He's more lower 90s. And again, another guy who's breaking ball is his best pitch. It's hit slider with him, and it's definitely a swing and miss pitch. A guy who has some promise with the change, but hasn't really needed it. Also another guy who really boosted his stock this year with a strong performance this year. Something that the Braves have seemed in this year's draft with college guys that they don't mind. A guy that really just breaks out this year as opposed to having the longer track record of success at the college level.
0: Garrett, thoughts on Landon?
1: Yeah, well and that's an interesting thing too, you know, with the twenty 2020- twenty COVID thing, a lot of these guys kind of, you know, they're breaking out because they're a little bit behind now, and so I think teams are a little bit, are maybe a little bit less inclined to worry about that track record, Um, but I'm with Matt on this, I mean, an interesting reliever, relief only guy, but Again, at this stage in the draft, you're going to get a lot of those to fill up the system. And the Braves have actually done a really good job at getting those late inning relief type arms. We've seen it with Indigo Diaz, uh, Justin Yeager, guys that they've been able to get through the system fairly quick. And a lot of those guys have seen upticks in their stuff once they get to the professional level.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting that the Braves kind of put a real premium on guys with uh, with breaking balls. They like particularly relievers. It seems like that's something that they were really looking for. Uh, the, the fastballs, they're they're not trying to go after those hundred hundred mile an hour you know guys to put in their bullpen. They're trying guys that have good breaking balls. I think that they know what they want to teach guys in terms of how to where to throw their breaking balls and the types of breaking balls that they like. So Landon seems to fit that, fit that mold. Curious to kind of see what he looks like as a reliever. Uh, the last pitcher that the Braves took in this draft. And before I kind of inter it's worth mentioning the Braves did not take a single left-handed pitcher in this draft, not a reliever, not a starter, you know, maybe, maybe some guys who, who are lefty bats, maybe they can convert it to a, a left-handed pitcher. Maybe they get there, but it's re- it was really interesting. Cause I mean, Matt and I talked about this. We thought that they were going to least take some lefties on day three here. And they did not do that the, in the 15th round. The last pitcher they took in this draft, was William Silva right-handed pitcher out of Miami Dade Community College again go, kind of going into that Juco Community College those ranks to, to find maybe names that we haven't that are a little bit under the radar and they thought that they could maybe get some real value out of talk to us a little bit about William Matt so he's the one guy
2: that in this draft class that I really did not know at all um I did not know him he was not a guy on my radar um All I really know is he's a reliever only, and he won his league's um, reliever of the year award this year in Juco. So there's not much to go on yet. So he's obviously a guy I'm interested in watching as he goes forward. But clearly the Braves saw something in him that made him worth a pick.
0: Garrett, any other thoughts to them? It just seems like another guy that the the Braves got out of nowhere. <laughs>
1: yeah, this it, is one of those. Yeah, who knows, right? Like we'll just see what he looks like at the pro level, and we'll make judgments then.
0: Yeah, it's v- again, another interesting pick. It, like the Braves are just like these going to these small schools, going to JUCO's, uh, not as much Division two this year. But, you know, just kind of going to those small schools, finding guys they like, picking them in the last round, and they've been do, done really well for themselves in getting guys that have real value out of those picks. So, really kind of interested to see if, I mean, it's going to be hysterical if, like, Silva comes in and he has, like, a plus baking ball and, like, is throwing up to 97 and just going to kind of tell you what the, you know, between all the data the Braves have and just, you know, kind of what the scouting job they do. It's going to be really interesting to see if that kind of works out for them. Uh, then we're going to kind of get into the position player, a little bit more speculative part of day three Uh, with the 16th round pick. They went with EJ Exposito, uh, the kind of middle infielder out of Long Island university. Matt, tell us a little bit about EJ.
2: So I was a little surprised when he was drafted by the Braves because they announced him as a shortstop. I don't really think he's a shortstop. I think he's more of a second baseman and should be a very good fielder there. Uh, another guy who both broke out this year and another guy who improved his stock with a good showing in the MLB draft league. I think he's going to be a guy that has the bat for second base. Definitely has the glove for it. Uh, put up some nice exit velocities though at the draft league, so there's some power in that bat. And he, when he makes contact, it does go pretty hard so a uh, nice little building block at the later part of day three of the draft Garrett any thoughts on EJ um I've
1: watched a little bit of video on him and I will say that I am very impressed by his bat speed he gets the ball through the, I mean he gets the bat head through the zone very quickly and that's always something that you like to see in a prospect
0: Yeah, absolutely. Again, uh, another kind of small school guy, but has seemingly has some tools. Uh, Again, put up some was hitting the ball hard in the MLB draft league. Coming from a small school, you always wonder a little bit about what the the quality of the how much that hit tool plays against more quality pitching. But I think we'll find out soon enough from him. And it seems like the glove's pretty good. If they draft him as a shortstop, they might seem to think that maybe that arm strength might be able to play there. We'll see if that actually happens. And you know, ultimately, you know. They can always move him, you know, even between spots or just move him back over to second base. But if they think they can try, if he can start it short, maybe, you know, give him a shot and see what happens. Uh, in the 17th round, again, back to the community college ranks, we have Kevin Kilpatrick, an outfielder out of Central Florida Community College. Matt, this is a, a, a Georgia product. Uh, the Braves haven't really been kind of dipping into that market quite as much of late, but they get at least a Georgia native of this pick. Talk to me a little bit about him.
2: So the first thing about him that I noticed, and I mean, I did know who he was already, but he seems to be very well-liked. Everyone has spoken very highly of him. And I think that's definitely a theme throughout most of this draft class. I I can say a lot of guys would have plus makeup in this class, but uh, he's a guy with very good speed, uh, probably plus plus, not Not 80 grade, but he's definitely uh, at least a 65 run, maybe a 70. Uh, He's got some physical projection left and has some decent enough exit velocity. So there is some hope that he's going to be able to be a power speed combination guy in the outfield. Uh, The kind of guy that when you're this late, you love to take a swing at and just hope that it all comes together.
0: Garrett, any thoughts on Kevin Kevin Gilpatrick? Yeah, and an interesting thing with
1: Kilpatrick looking at his swing, he's got a very interesting setup, but overall his swing is very clean. He tends to, what I can see, struggle driving pitches in the upper half of the zone. Down in the zone, he shows very good power on those pitches and is able to turn on them and hit them a long way. You know, We'll kind of see how we can cover the upper part of the zone, but overall, in terms of the athleticism and the swing, I've liked a lot of what I've seen from him.
0: Yeah, it's, especially in today's game where the really the, kind of those fastballs at the top of the zone is kind of, you know, that's where you have to kind of figure out if you can, if you where, where hit tools are really tested. Because you know, a lot of guys just end up rolling over on those pitches or even can't hit them at all. If so someone's throwing 98 up in the zone, it makes it incredibly difficult. Uh, I will say though and you know, Matt made note of his, in his uh, day three recap, which is on the site by the way and everyone who's been listening to this podcast should absolutely read that. Uh, he actually performed well in these, you know, these wood bat leagues and summer leagues and things like that. And you know, that is something that Braves that not just the Braves, but a lot of teams put a premium on is like, you know, with a lot of these college bats, the metal bats is only a little bit of skepticism as to whether or not they're gonna be able to hit the ball hard enough or be able to play you know, play well enough, had it with the wood bat in their hands, and at least Kilpatrick has, but he has going for him is that he has a good per, track record of performance with wood bat, in wood bat leagues. So you know, they, clearly the Braves had someone watching these wood bat leagues, and they liked what they saw. They were able to pop, you know, pop him for a pick in the 17th round. Uh, in the 18th round, this is where we get to a pair of. Uh, prep picks that we were initially a little bit skeptical that they were going to be, these guys are going to be signable. But Dana Brown did say that the goal and what they're going to be trying to do is sign all 22 picks that the Braves made this year. So we're going to kind of operate under the assumption that the Braves are going to be making every effort to try to bring these guys into the organization. And then in the 18th round, they picked Noah Williams, an outfielder out of Redondo Union High School in California. Uh, Again, bit of a raw player, but ultimately a guy that, could be a really interesting prospect or at least a project, you know, move them along slow and see if he can kind of, you know, make, make those tools and turn them into something. So Matt, tell us a little bit about Noah.
2: So yeah, well, a slight little correction. He was always a guy that was most likely projected to sign because he is uh, the rare high school player without any college commitment. A uh, guy who won his uh, league player of the year out in SoCal this year. And obviously if you don't follow amateur baseball in, Southern California is one of the best competitive areas for baseball, high school baseball in the country, so that's always a good sign. He is definitely raw, but he's athletic. He's got some field to hit. Uh, Just a great swing at
0: upside in the 18th round that probably won't cost a ton. Garrett, have you had a chance to find out much about Noah Williams? I know we're kind of getting to the part where it's getting a little bit dicey to find information. Yeah, I like – I definitely like the
1: talent here overall. Um, I will say, again, going back to what I was talking about with previous guys, swing-wise with him, he's definitely – they're going to have to retool that. There's some links to his swing and – there's some holes in a swing that they're going to have to retool at the major level. I mean, at the professional level, that's not a surprise when you're getting these raw high school guys. A lot of them have that issue, but he's going to be a guy that's going to take some time, but they're going to have to go through some retooling phases to really kind of tighten down those skills.
0: Yeah. My understanding was that California was a little bit down this year in terms of the prep ranks, but that doesn't mean that winning a a player of the year title uh, out of any part of SoCal is going to be, is going to be easy because so i know for a fact that next year's california is loaded uh so there are a lot of juniors that are going to make make noah's life difficult regardless even if they, maybe the senior class isn't quite as strong and again this is a guy that has real upside and the braves are able to bring him into the into the fold and if you know as matt mentioned he doesn't have that college commitment so he doesn't have quite the same leverage that a lot of guys do uh with the 19th pick is another prep another prep option here we have uh, Christian Jackson, the out of out of high school. I did get a little bit of a, a word that it's possible that there might be a uh, a bit of a dress and follow situation with Jackson, uh, but it's possible they just try to sign him and bring him into the fold altogether. So, uh, Matt, tell us a little bit about Jackson again, outfielder, local guy. What do you think?
2: Uh, yeah, Dutchtown High School, currently committed to Georgia State. Uh, Prep shortstop, who is probably going to be looked at more as a center fielder, as a pro, but he's got some pop in his bat. Uh, good athlete, just an interesting player, and another kid that improved his stock recently because he had a good showing in the college Sun Belt League and played in their All-Star game. Uh, just an interesting player, and uh, again, similar to the last pick, Williams, it's just kind of shot you want to take when you don't have a lot of money left but you're able to get a talent this late
0: Garrett any thoughts on Christian
1: yeah um overall I like the talent here if he signs that's I think a fairly big addition to the system overall there's a lot of athleticism there there's room to add strength I think overall I don't think that he, you know I was talking about with Williams that his swing is a bit raw I don't see that as much with Jackson his is a little quieter a little bit easier to manage so I I like Jackson here a lot
0: yeah I would say that Jackson was the I think the guy that we were the most skeptical about signing um you know he's listed with the Georgia State commitment again I've heard that there's a chance there's kind of a draft and follow situation where maybe he tries to go to a JUCO instead maybe get a little bit more money out of the Braves uh, if they, if he plays well there, but it kind of just depends a little bit, maybe they just, and again, this is a weird thing with the draft and follow rule is that a lot of times these guys that, you know, you have to kind of be this weird sort of player that you don't necessarily want to, that they don't want to sign for 125,000, but you want to see him play a more to maybe give them a little bit more money. But if they're going to make significantly more money and they played well enough in the Juco, they're just going to enter the draft. So. Um, a, a, kind of a weird situation. I, my hunch is that though, I don't think that Dana Brown would just, you know, float out that, that there, you know, th- there's gonna be a real attempt to try to sign this guy. And if, you know, even if he doesn't sign at the deadline, I'd kind of keep an eye on him. Maybe he's the guy who ends up going to a Juco, see if he ends up, you know, making a name for himself and ultimately get signed as a draft and follow, uh, with the 20th overall pick. And the guy that is very much in play as a, uh, Really interesting player, and if for no other reason, that our good friend Joe Carson, uh, who was a big Cal fan, uh, he was happy to finally get his Cal bear into the system. Kashawn Ogans, the shortstop out of Cal, uh, was their last pick in the draft, and a surprisingly solid player to get with the last pick in the draft. So, Matt, tell us a little bit about him. He's the final guy
2: from this list that we mentioned. Uh, improved his stock with a good showing in the MLB draft league, Uh, very solid defender at shortstop and probably the only true shortstop that the Braves drafted today or in this entire draft, I should say, but a guy who has some feel for hitting can get on base, a little bit of power, also extremely well-liked. A lot of people had great things to say about who he is, which is obviously a theme with this draft class. So, uh, almost a steal of a pick for this late, because even if it never works out for him, he's definitely the type of guy you'd love to have in the organization. Garrett, any thoughts on Kashawn?
1: Yeah, an overall talent here. I, I, You can never really have too many middle infielders, so it's great to get another one and a guy that seems like he has legitimate potential there.
0: Yep, he can play the position. You need guys that can play the positions to fill out your, your your minor league rosters. And there's a chance for more than that. I I I wouldn't put a high percentage chance on that being the case. But again, he just does a lot. He doesn't do anything super well, but he does a lot of things pretty well. And he played at a big time program. So when you can do all those things, this is a guy that could be you know a really interesting asset for the organization going forward. Before we kind of get into our uh, kind of our overall grades and our thoughts about the draft, we're gonna take a quick break to listen to our word from our sponsors All right, Garrett. I'm gonna to go to you first and I'm gonna let you talk as long as you wanna talk about what what you thought about this draft overall. What do you think what's your grade for the draft? What did you like? Where are the parts that you weren't big as big a fans of? Just the, the floor is yours, my friend.
1: Oh man, you're putting me on the spot here. You had to make me go first. I, yep sure, overall yep, sure I, I I don't know if I'd necessarily give this draft like an A overall. I think some of that just kind of depends on you know, if they get all of those guys in the You know, late rounds, I could definitely see it being an A. I think it's closer to more of a B plus. You know, I don't – there's definitely not that home run guy, right? Like there's not the guy that we look at and go, that's the player in the system. But they've got so many players out of this draft. And I think, you know, for me, I would say the one criticism is is I tend to prefer high-end position players over high-end offensive talent. It just doesn't seem like that's the way the draft fell this year, where that was really an option. And I think that they got the guys at the positions that were the best, Uh, especially I love after they got Murphy, which I like Murphy, but getting those next two guys and Richie and um, Phillips were fantastic picks. I love both of those picks. Um, Like I said, it's a little unfortunate that that they didn't get a couple more of the higher end bats, but. Overall, given where the draft fell, I think that they did a great job, and they spread out the money to get a number of really interesting
0: players. Matt, what do you think, man? This is your, t- this is your time.
2: Probably about an A-minus or so. Uh, really, my only criticisms are that we didn't pick two picks earlier and be able to scoop threads in the first round on Cam Collier. Uh, because that would have made it a home run, but that's really the only. There's thing no, this there's draft. there's
0: there's no way they get all the guys they got and Cam Collier. It'd be Cam oh, no, Collier no. and no and no one else.
2: I don't think it would have been quite that, but it would have definitely taken up a big portion of the pool. But that is the one thing that this draft is missing—that one huge guy at the top of this draft. But still, I'd say Phillips is maybe the most exciting pitcher that the Braves have drafted since maybe Kyle Wright if you exclude Carter Stewart since he didn't end up signing so there is that because if he doesn't get hurt he's not going to be there for the Braves where they picked he probably doesn't even make it out of the first round Uh, uh, Meyer if he doesn't get hurt he is definitely a day one pick at some point uh, maybe even a first rounder so you're potentially adding those guys plus Keller who might have been a first rounder if he was two inches taller or at least a day one guy so there's a lot to like a lot of depth a lot of options i don't think there are many guys in this class that you look at and say this guy doesn't have a chance or this guy is just a throwaway pick uh so there's that's huge when you have the little depth in the system that the braves currently do they did a good job of using the bulk of their draft to just restock the system Uh, very surprised they didn't end up with a left-hander, uh, a little surprised they didn't go a little harder at shortstop, but, uh, everything they got, they just loaded up. So it's hard to go lower than an A-minus.
0: Yeah, I'm with Matt on this, I think. And I understand where Garrett's coming from too, though. Uh, I'm at an A-minus, I think. One, I think that just the talent level on day three it's just I would have wanted a little bit more to kind of maybe upgrade to an A or an A+, plus, particularly on the position player side because Garrett's right in the sense that I think that they – they, they, they'd certainly restock the system. And I think this is an important place to kind of have this conversation is that they have really restocked this system with arms, and I understand why to do that because arm – like reliable arms, you either have to develop them. Or you have to spend a whole lot in either trade or free agency to get them. And it's, you know, everyone needs a lot of arms, both in the bullpen and in the rotation. And to be able to kind of get guys you like and be able to, again, get three to five day one type arms. Those that that has a lot of value, but I do wish that they were able to get some more bats. Uh, I do like David McCabe. I think that's a kind of a, a pretty savvy sort of pick. Uh, he's by all accounts that guy can really really hit, and this draft, you know, really if he performs well, that that ends up kind of being one of those, you know. You know, sneaky good picks and, you know, he could move He's you know, against a college guy. If he hits well, he could move quickly through the system and be a reinforcement. He's the guy that I'm kind of circling on. I will say that the Drake Baldwin pick, the feedback I've gotten uh, from from scouts is mixed. Uh, You know, it seems like, you know, will he stick behind the plate? Probably. But again, no, no one's like seems super like enamored with him there uh in terms of his approach at the plate and hit, like you know a lot of the the kind of the metrics and the numbers he put up were really good but there is a bit of a, an aggressive approach at the plate a lot of a bats at and after a couple of pitches and that that wasn't necessarily thrilling for a lot of a lot of folks and evaluators which is why he was probably maybe not uh available maybe not picked a little higher uh there there's real avail- there's real bit of ability there, but it just, you know, there's, there are some questions about him that make me wonder, you know, if, if that's where you're going to spend your third round pick, I kind of maybe would have preferred a, a different back there, but you know, the, at that point in the draft too you know like it was kind of a weird in between area where they ended up grabbing him and a lot of the, a lot of the players that i think we would have been really excited about were coming off the board just ahead of them so i understand the impulse and i especially know that the Braves wanted to at least get a catcher with some ability in their system and that's just the, the area they chose was catcher they didn't try to get another outfielder they didn't try to get a you know a real up the middle guy that maybe was a little bit more highly ranked or a lot more highly regarded it's just going to kind of depend as to kind of how he develops, those are the two bats that you can kind of hang your hat on, really, in this draft. Uh, There's certainly other guys that are interesting, but those are kind of the, where they invested some real draft capital. But they really o- uh, loaded up on some arms. Those we were as shocked as anybody that they ended up going to the, you know, the the prep arm ranks to kind of get the value that they did. But Murphy seems to be kind of a really kind of savvy, bit of an over under slot pick, but a guy who's highly, you know, thought of. In a lot of organizations, not just the Braves. And then you get J.R. Richie and Cole Phillips. Again, those are three guys that can really throw. You add in Meyer, you add in he- uh, Keller, and all those guys. This could be a lot of fun. This could be a really fun, particularly a pitching group. But I do wish they were able to kind of fill out the minor leagues with some bats more. So again, I'm kind of with Matt, A minus. I understand where Garrett's coming from though with the B plus. I mean, you could kind of convince me either way there. Uh, just because I think that on day three, if they sign all those guys. Then maybe some of those the, the bat, those prep bats, we'll see how they do, and then this could be upgraded relatively quickly. But I think the Braves did a really good job, and I think that they accomplished the mission that they wanted. I think that when they traded for that pick from Kansas City, they wanted to not, not just go in on a player. I think that there were some players that if they could have either come to terms with or maybe hadn't had their pockets picked, that they would have been able to maybe go all in and spend a significant bonus pool on one singular player, which would have been more you know, flashy, I guess. But I think what they really wanted to do was do a really thorough job of restocking their minor league system because the lower levels are just, frankly, you know, there's, you know, those teams that are playing well and guys who are performing reasonably well, but the number of guys who are legitimate major league prospects isn't where you want it to be. And, you know, you you ha- they want to kind of get that process started a little bit while they wait on, you know, they're just getting back into being players in the international market again, and to be able to, you know, wait on those guys, get them ready, get them start going through the system. They kind of want to jumpstart that process, and over the next couple of years, at least have some guys that can provide reinforcements if they need them in the major at the major leagues. And I think they've done that. I think that over the next couple of years, I, I, dude, all these pitching prospects are not going to hit. It's just not going to happen. Some guys will move to the bullpen. Some guys will just not be as good as they were hoping. But they they have they're playing that numbers game well enough that they are ultimately putting themselves in a good position. So and it's hard just to say anything other than just it's an A minus, and that is not a bad draft by any stretch of the imagination. There's certainly been some drafts where we weren't big fans of individual picks that we weren't huge fans of uh, in other drafts, but you know in this particular draft. All the picks were at least understandable, and we certainly uh, – they, they took upside, they took some risk, and then they took some safe bets to kind of make sure that they can at least you know, be able to fill out the system and get guys who can actually perform. And that's really that, – that, that, that is just a good draft. Uh, It's not, again, when you're picking at 20, you're not going to be getting, you know, top five, top 10 talents uh, unless some really crazy things happen and luck falls your way. But in this particular case, I think where the Braves were at, they got a bunch of talent for where they were picking and how much money they had. So, you know, big thumbs up from us. Really happy with it. And thanks to all of you for listening to all the podcasts over the last uh, week or so. We've been very busy on this feed. It's going to be nice to be able to take some time off and not be out in front of a microphone for us and for, you know, Garrett and Matt being able to actually get some sleep relax a little bit. We get a couple of days off with the all-star break. There's not any minor league games going on. So we're going to be able to kind of just enjoy a little bit of downtime before we have to get back to the grind and get into the second half, both at the major and minor league level. If you don't want to miss a single episode of the road to Atlanta podcast, all you have to do is subscribe to the battery power podcast feed. You will get this podcast. You will also get the flagship show hosted by Brad Roland, uh, sometimes co-hosted by myself, other times hosted, co-hosted by Scott Coleman. You'll get the Daily Hammer, which is hosted by Sean Coleman, which is kind of our up to date, getting caught up on what happened in the night's game, the previous night's games, or what happened or news type stuff. And then there's also the unnamed show that I will keep calling the unnamed show, and I frankly am going to probably continue to call the unnamed show even after they name it, which is hosted by Stephen Tolbert and our fearless leader Chris Willis, where they kind of delve into deeper dive type topics, you know, analytical type uh, topics or you know, contract situations, kind of big, big big topics that they can like spend a lot of time on rather than kind of the the surface level stuff that we have to do in a lot of our other podcasts and if you want to subscribe just go to itunes google play stitcher whatever your preferred podcast platform is if you've subscribed there make sure you tell a friend to do so as well make sure you leave a five-star review it helps us grow the podcast but for garrett and matt we are done with our draft coverage we get to get back to talking about minor league baseball again starting next monday we thank you all so much. Again, the support of the, over on the site and over on the podcast has just been absolutely unbelievable. Thank you all so much. And until next time, we'll see you on the road. More to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads